Welcome once again to Maple Grove Covenant Church. We're so glad that you're here. We're going to continue our series entitled Treasure Hunters. Last week we started off our series and we learned that life is like a treasure hunt. That each week we receive different clues, different problems, different codes that we must crack. And if we crack those codes, we lend to the next one. And in the next one, at the end of the week, we get a prize. It's called a paycheck. And then we take that money, that income that we have, and we spend it on the stuff that we want, the stuff that we need, the stuff that we, that we think will make us happy, the stuff that we treasure. See, in many ways, we are all treasure hunters. We're working, we're cracking codes, we're, we're getting an income to pay for the things that we deem are important, the things that we think are valuable, the things that we treasure. And the questions that we've been thinking about in the last couple of weeks are simply this. Do we treasure the right things? Are we going after that which is most valuable? Are we spending our money on treasures that last? Because when Jesus walked the earth, he said many profound words about money and possessions. In fact, over a third of Jesus' teaching was on money and possessions. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, our theme verse for this series is simply this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Why? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, what we treasure says much about who we are. Where we spend our money reflects our hearts, our values. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And that's what this series is about. It's about our heart. It's about loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. You see, what we treasure says much about what we love. And last week, we learned an important treasure principle. We learned that God owns everything, that we own nothing, that nothing that we own is actually ours. It's on loan to us. We looked at the life of Abraham and a little bit at the life of David, and we learned much about ownership, that God owns everything. At the end of our service last week, I gave uh, five $100 bills to five people with four Specific instructions. Do you remember that? We had these five volunteers, each getting five or each getting one hundred dollar bill. And I gave them these instructions. It was simply to acknowledge that the money in their hands was not theirs, to use it in a way to build God's kingdom, to get some other people involved and to come back in two weeks and tell us what you did with the money. And that time of uh, was, was a test of ownership. It was, it was an experiment to see if we could have five people. I talked with them after our worship service last week. It was Ryan and John and Joanne and Pat and Tricia. If they could do those four things, acknowledge that the money's not theirs, use it to build God's kingdom, get other people involved, and uh, come back in two weeks. And I look forward to hearing what they did with God's money next week when we come back together for our worship service. But what I told them to do is very similar to a story that Jesus told in Matthew chapter 25. 
And when I met with him last week, I told him, hey, read this story because we're going to be talking about this next week. And you're kind of illustrating this principle called treasure management. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 25, page 983 in your pew Bibles. Because in Matthew chapter 25, there is this fantastic story that Jesus tells about three investors, three people that receive an income, some money from their master, and they're then uh, they, then they get uh, told what to do with it, as well as they get rewarded and punished for how they use their master's money. It's a fascinating story. It's one that's very helpful for us as we continue to understand how to manage God's resources well. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 25, page 983 in your pew Bibles. And I'm just going to read the story here for us, and I'd love for you to read along. The words will also be on the screen. Matthew 25, verse 14, Jesus says this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. And the man who received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who received the one talent went off and he dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled his accounts with them. The man who received the five talents brought another five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And then the man who received the one talent came. Master, he said. I know that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more. But he will, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness. Will there be weeping and gnashing of teeth? Strong words that Jesus says to these folks. Strong words, but... Jesus tells this story about three investors, three people investing their master's money. And whenever Jesus tells a parable, the first thing that we are most natural to do is to try to find ourselves in this parable, to try to identify with one of the characters in the story. But the one that we cannot be is the master. That's already taken. Jesus is the master in this parable. But then which one are we? Which investor are we? That's the question that Jesus is asking us. Are we wisely investing our master's money? 
Or are we wasting it, squandering it, protecting it, and not using it to expand God's kingdom? See, as I read this story, this fantastic story, I would like to focus on three things, three treasure principles that will help shape our understanding of God's money. And the first treasure principle is simply this. It's not ours. It's not our money. It all belongs to God. Just what we talked about last week. Just what those five volunteers had to do. They had to acknowledge that the $100 was not theirs. Jesus said it this way in verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. And he entrusted his property to them. It's his property. We are his servants. What we think we own is actually on loan. All our money, all our stuff, all our time, all our possessions are not ours. They're his. They belong to him. David illustrated this so beautifully at the end of his life. If you remember the the life of King David, he was a warrior king. At the end of his life, he wanted to build a temple to God, to worship him, to show his devotion to him. But God wouldn't let him. But he did let him hire the architects, make the plans and raise the money. And then David writes this beautiful prayer recorded in First Chronicles 29.10. And I'd like to read you David's prayer as he provides the resources for God's temple. It says this in First Chronicles 29.10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor, it comes from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I, David says, and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? And then he says these words, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything comes from you. Everything belongs to you. And we have given you what only comes from your hand. See, David understood this first principle that everything belongs to God. That all of our stuff, all our money, all our time, all our possessions are actually his and not ours. That it's God's stuff, that we are the managers of God's resources, not the owners. See, owners, they possess. Owners, they have control. Owners have ultimate power. But managers, they're entrusted with something. They have limited control and limited power. God's the owner and we're the managers. We're the managers of God's resources. And when we confuse our role, the results can be deadly. I don't know if you remember the film Lord of the Rings. It's this great film about these men from Middle Earth that tried to destroy this ring, this powerful ring. And they have to go on this journey to destroy the ring. But along the way, there's this interactions with the ring that many people want to possess the ring. They're 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 almost mesmerized by the ring. One character, he gets the ring, says, precious, you know, my precious. He just loves this ring. 
You know, even Frodo, the hero of the story, is mesmerized by the power of possessing the ring. See, we were never designed to own or possess. We're designed to manage the possessions that God has entrusted to us. See, we're not the owners. God's the owners. We're God's the owner and we're the managers. That's the second treasure principle. It's understanding our role. God's the owner. We're the managers. We manage God's resources. We and we have a job. We're to invest God's resources well. He gives each one of us talents of money based on our ability. In verse um, 25, we read this. I'm sorry, in verse 15, we read this. To the one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The master gave each one a talent. Now, in this context, it's a talent of money. It could be a a skill. It could be a gift that God gives us. But in this context, it's a talent of money. And according to my research, a talent is worth about $1,000. So this is a lot of money. In that time period, this is a this is a, a whole lot of money. Each person gets between one to five thousand dollars, and now they're not told exactly what to do with the money. But we do hear how what what they do with it. God then or the master then either condemns, punishes, or rewards them. But God entrusted each servant with money, and He expected them to come back with more. I'd like to do a quick illustration here, and it involves some candy. Anybody here have a sweet tooth? Anybody have, like candy? Okay. Anybody, anybody enjoy Skittles? Anybody like Skittles? Okay. I, I'd love for you the, that like Skittles to come on up here. I just need uh, just, just a couple of volunteers that enjoy a good Skittle. Okay. We got Gary over there, and Caroline, you can come on up here. Anybody else enjoy a good Skittle? Good, some good candy. I'm going to give it to you at the end here, so you're going to want this. All right, over here. Yeah, come on up here. Forget your first name. Come up here. All right, so I got some candy here. Uh, Caroline, you can have this first bag of Skittles here. And, and uh, Gary, I got, I got a couple for you. Uh, Caroline, you can just open up that bag of Skittles and just put them in this jar here. That'll be, uh, that'll be your bag of Skittles. Okay, and then, and then uh, Gary, you know, here's, here's a couple bag of Skittles for you. And... You got you got this jar here. You like Skittles, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. And what's your first name again? Kyle. Kyle. You get a couple more bags of Skittles. Here. So why don't you just open those up and, and stick those right in there? Because those are your Skittles that, that you get. Okay. So so just go ahead and open that up. You guys all have some Skittles there. Now, Caroline, I'll just ask you a couple of questions. How does it feel to get those Skittles? Good. Good. You like Skittles, right? All right. Well, those are your Skittles. Now, now uh, what would be an appropriate response to get a nice bag of Skittles on a Sunday? You know, just a free bag of Skittles. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. Your parents taught you well. That's right. So you get these Skittles, just a free gift for you, and, 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 and you say thank you. Now, 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 I don't know if you noticed this, but how does, how does it feel when you notice what other, other Skittles other, these, other, these other guys are getting? I feel like they have more than me. I feel like they have more than me. Yeah, as a matter of fact, he's got twice as much as you do, and he's got about four times as much as you do. See, sometimes 
uh, when you guys can come on up here, please come on over here. Sometimes when uh, when we get our when we get our skittles, it's easy to look at other people's skittles and say, "Wow, you know, <laughs> he's got more than I got." I mean, that, that doesn't seem fair, you know. And we forget that God gives each one of us skittles based on our ability. And an appropriate response would be, "Thank you, God." Thank you for giving me these Skittles. Now, oftentimes when we get our Skittles, you know, it's easy to think, you know, that I just have this little bit of Skittles. You know, I can barely pay my bills. You know, I can barely make ends meet. And we think that we have just such a limited, just a small amount of Skittles. And we get in those moments in our life, an appropriate thing to do would be to to kind of raise your awareness of how many Skittles we have in comparison to the rest of the world's population. Now, if you go to a website, it's called globalrichlist.com. We're going to go there this morning. Now, we're going to just kind of compare our income with the rest of the world's income to help us understand how many skills we actually have. At globalrichlist.com, uh, you put your income in there, and the average income in Maple Grove is about $95,000. Now, we're not going to put that in here because that's just the average. But we're going to put $65,000 in there. And see how much $65,000 annually ranks us in the world's population as far as wealth. What do we got here? Wow. It says right here that we are in the top 0.88% of the whole population of the world. Some of the richest people on the planet. See... When it comes to Skittles, each one of us has an entire jar full. When it comes to Skittles, each one of us have more than enough. We're overflowing with Skittles. We compare the number of Skittles we have with the world's population. We're overflowing. We have more than enough Skittles to feed ourselves and help others. Now, my point in illustrating this is not so that you would feel guilty about how many Skittles you have, but that you would feel honored that God has entrusted you with so many Skittles. See, it's one thing to have faith in God, and I hope you all have faith in God. But it's quite another thing to understand that God has faith in you. That God has entrusted you with so many Skittles. So many Skittles so that you can not only respond to your own resources, but then invest what he has entrusted to you for his kingdom purposes. Let's give it up to these volunteers. Go ahead and enjoy your Skittles. So we all have Skittles. We all have resources that God has entrusted to us. And as Americans, we have many resources, many things that God has entrusted to us. So the question is, how are you doing with your Skittles? What character in the story do you identify with? Are you investing wisely? Are you hiding your Skittles? What are you doing with the time, with the resources, with the money that God has entrusted to you? Because the second treasure principle is that you manage God's resources. 
But the third is that God will hold you accountable for how you manage his money. Let's look again at the story in uh, in uh, the passage here in Matthew chapter 25. We read in uh, verse 29, for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. And whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness will there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, whoever has will be given more. Whoever uses the gift, whoever uses the resources well will be given more. But if you don't use it well, it's going to be taken away and given to someone else. See, the principle is clear. God holds you accountable for the resources he has entrusted to you. And if we don't use them well, he's going to take them away and give them to someone that uses them well. And what I find striking in verse 30, Jesus says, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I mean, that sounds like hell. that, That sounds like God is sending us to hell if we don't utilize his resources well. Is that what Jesus is saying? Well, he appears to say that. You see, if we don't use our resources, our talents, our money in a way that honors God, we live in a way that reflects unbelief. See, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. What you value, what you treasure says much about who you are and what you love. See, that's why Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Why? Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. See, this is about your heart and God wants your heart. He wants you to love and worship him as your greatest treasure and highest pleasure. And where you put your money says much about where your heart is. See, money is just a test. It's just a test of your values. It's just a test of your heart. It's just a test of your devotion, your trust in God. So God says, I want you to treasure me. And I want you to show your treasures by investing my resources well into my purposes and my kingdom purposes. There's a story in the Bible about the people of God in the Old Testament. It's found in the book of Malachi. It's the last uh, book in the Old Testament. And the people of God were struggling. They were struggling to follow God. They felt distant from God, distant and disconnected in their relationship with God. So God speaks to them through the prophet Malachi. And this is what God says to them in Malachi chapter 3, verse 7. He says this, Ever since the time your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees, and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? How are we to reconnect with our Heavenly Father? How are we to get back in connection with God? He doesn't say pray. He doesn't say read the Bible. He says this, Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. 
I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not cast their fruits, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And the same thing that God said to them, he says to us. Test me in this. Try me in this. If you want to connect with me, start by obeying my words and bring what is most valuable to me, your treasure. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Bring the whole tithe to me. Give back to me what is rightfully mine because I want your heart. I want you to love me with all of your heart. Now, some people ask me, you know, how much money are we supposed to give back to God? I mean, what percentage of our income are we supposed to give to God? It's a great question. It's an interesting question because it's like, it's a little bit of a struggle because it's all his anyway. But then he calls us to give a percentage of it back to to reflect our faith in him, our trust in him. Well, as a leadership council, we decided to try to answer that question. What is an appropriate response for us to give back to God a percentage of our income because he has given us so much, so many skills? What what would be an appropriate response? So we did a little research, a little Bible study. And we as a council, the, the, the leaders of Maple Grove Covenant Church made a commitment And the statement that we committed ourselves to is on the screen. It says this. As leaders of Maple Grove Covenant Church, we follow the biblical example by giving cheerfully, generously, and at times sacrificially to the Lord. Following 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. We believe that giving at least 10% of our gross income is normal and natural. We also believe that Jesus was right when he said it's better to give than it is to receive. And we look forward to experiencing the joy of giving generously together as a faith community. See, there's a lot of key phrases in this little statement. Let me just highlight a couple. That God calls us to give cheerfully and generously and at times sacrificially. And that's wise investment. That we're giving out of an overflow of joy, cheerfully. And we're giving generously. And at times we're going away with something in order to give more to the work of God here on earth. And the second thing is that it says we give at least 10%. We had a little discussion about that. I was a little nervous to put at least 10%. But one of our council members says, hey, that's what the Bible teaches. That's like the starting point. That's where we go off. But we said we didn't want to get all hung up on 10% because we wanted to grow in the grace of giving. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 8 9. That if you're giving 5%, you grow to 7%. You're giving 7%, you give 9%. You give 9%, you go to 15%. That we grow in this journey of generosity. That we excel in this grace of giving. Because we know that if we do that, we'll be blessed with joy and freedom and financial peace. And then we look forward to experiencing the joy of giving generously together as a community of faith. See, that's our invitation to you. That you too would follow the lead of the Bible and our leaders in giving generously as a faith community so that we could experience the joy and the peace and the freedom and the blessing of obeying God when it comes to money. You see, we've all been given skittles. And, 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 we, and they're not ours. They're God's. We just manage them. We're going to be held accountable for how we manage them. And then he tells us straight away, the first thing I want you to do is to bring your first fruits to me. 
to show your faith and devotion to me by giving me what you treasure, your resources, to give, to bring it to the stars, to participate in the work of God on earth. I just want to close with this short illustration. I don't know if any of you work with a financial manager, but let's say you're just working with your financial manager and you're telling your manager, you say, hey, I'm looking at this money market. I'm looking at this stock. And I, and I say, I want you to put 10% into this stock. I think it's a good stock. And your money manager says, no, you know, I don't think you want to do that. You say, no, I've been, I've been looking at this stock. I've been doing my research. I think it's a great investment. I'd like you to put 10% of what I own into this resource, into this stock, into this investment. And your money manager says, no, 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 I don't think you should do it. What would you do with that money manager? You get a new one. You get somebody else that would listen and obey how to use your resources. That's what God does. He says, I want you to give generously. I want you to put this investment in here. I want you to show your faith and trust in me. And by the way, I'm also concerned by the number, the 90% of how you use that resource. But I want you to trust me because I want your heart. I want you to love and worship me with all of your heart. So that's what this is about. This is about seeing our treasures as a doorway into our heart and looking at us and say, am I investing what God has given me wisely? What does my investment say about my heart? And am I committed to giving God generously and cheerfully and even sacrificially out of all that he has given me? May that be our prayer this morning. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious God and Father, we thank you for your word and the clarity in it. We thank you for how you instruct us to follow you in every area of our life. And now as we look at our treasures, our resources, our money, we ask that you would change us. That you would shape us away from consumerism and towards generosity. That we would see all that we have as a gift from you and then use it to expand your kingdom. So that when we get to that final day and meet you face to face, we'll hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. May that be true of each one of us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.